I want to show you a picture, and I want to see how many people might know what it is. So let's look at that. Anybody have an idea what those are? Raise your hand if you know what that is. A few people. Those are called crop circles. They became uh, really well known in the 70s. People thought that they were made by extraterrestrial people, people from outer space who designed them. It wasn't until 1991 when a couple of guys from England admitted that they had designed them. They showed how they did it, how they had cut them into the crops. It was a movie that people wanted to see called Signs that had a lot to do with this. Mel Gibson was in it. Signs that these were people that were giving us things from another world that we could count on. You know, it was interesting after 1991 when it was revealed that it was a hoax. There were still people who didn't want to believe that it wasn't a sign from another world. People wanted to hold on to that belief. How many of you maybe know somebody in life who looks for a sign or a wonder or something like that when they want to make a decision? I knew somebody once that was looking for a sign when they were buying a refrigerator, that God would give them a sign as to what refrigerator they should buy. Didn't know God owned Stockton GE or a manor or whatever it is, but people do that. They want to do something other than what we have to hold on to, other than the Word of God, other than what God has given us, a sign or a wonder. There was a salesman by the name of Benny. He wasn't really a very good salesman. He'd started a couple of businesses in his life, and they were all pretty much failures. He lost a lot of money. Well, one morning he got up and he said to his wife, he says, I've got a new gimmick for a new business that I'm going to start. Well, with Benny's track record, she kind of said, well, maybe it's something you should pray about, Benny. He said, okay, I'm going to ask God for a sign that this is what I should do. The next morning when he was eating breakfast, he buttered his toast and he accidentally dropped it on the floor. Well, it landed butter side up. He said, this is a good sign. This is a sign from God that this is what I'm supposed to do, enter in this new business venture. She looked at him and still again knowing his track record said, why don't you go talk to the rabbi and see what he thinks? Well, Benny said, I'll do that. So he went and talked to the rabbi, told him what happened. The rabbi looked at Benny and said, Benny, I think you buttered your toast on the wrong side. <laughs> Signs and wonders. You know, the people of Jesus' day looked for signs and wonders. It was credible evidence to them that the person who was doing things was from God, that was the person sent to them. As we just heard in that Old Testament lesson, that picture of Elijah who brought the child back to life. Jesus had to do signs and wonders if they were going to believe who he was. In fact, it's interesting as you look at the New Testament, there are over 40 occurrences of that word, a sign given to substantiate something. And 20 of those alone are in the Gospels where the people are asking for a sign. Today in the Gospel lesson, there is an incredible sign given. Jesus raising a child from the dead. A sign of who he is, a sign of the majesty and power that belong to him but a sign that he also said, don't tell everybody. There's a reason for that. Let's look at that in the scriptures as we open that up in your bulletins or in the Pew Bibles. We'll get to that lesson in Mark. Now Jairus, the synagogue ruler, has come to Jesus, pleaded with him because 
His little child is sick. She's on death's doorstop. How many of us wouldn't do the same thing? Plead with the one who has been going around the country healing so many people. And Jesus has agreed to go with him. But we come on this passage and as they're making their way, it says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Your daughter is dead. There are the words that, as a parent, you never want to hear, you never want to deal with. That situation that just crushes life from all around. And isn't it interesting that the people say, why bother the teacher anymore? Interesting from the standpoint that they saw Jesus as a healer. They believed Jesus could go to this house and heal this little girl, but now she's dead. Jesus can't raise the dead. He's not that kind of person. Don't bother him. Don't look to him for an answer. It goes on where Jesus says, overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. You know, the Greek really isn't overhearing. The Greek says Jesus disregarded what they're saying. He ignored their comments that there was nothing that he could do. Don't bother him anymore. He looked instead at Jared's to fan the flame of faith that had brought him first to Jesus. That these voices now saying, don't bother, give up. There's no point in this anymore. He looked at him to say, hold on. Don't be afraid. Only believe. How many times aren't there voices in our world that want to put out the flame of faith in us to tell us why would you believe that God will do anything? Why would you believe God will hear your prayers? Why do you care? Get on with life. Get on with reality. Stop living in a fantasy world. Something to destroy that faith in us. And yet Jesus fans that flame of faith. The scriptures say that a bruised reed he will not break. Jesus is interested in this man's faith, that he believes in who Jesus was. He believes in Jesus' power, and so he encourages him. Don't be afraid. Just believe. You came in belief. Keep on believing. You will see wonders and signs. And so Jesus going on, stops that crowd from coming to him, makes his way with the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, to Jairus' house, and comes on a situation that must have been such noise and such racket you would want to cover your ears. Picture for a moment what we've ever seen in the news of a Middle Eastern funeral of that and all the screaming and all the things going on and the noise and there were professional mourners and probably flute players and just, as the scriptures say, a din, a noise. And Jesus comes on this situation and he says, and he went into them and said, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. You know, Jesus' statement, the child is not dead, but asleep, isn't a statement of fact. It's a statement of who he is. It's a statement of the faith that he came to enlighten in this man, Jared, that he has power over life and death, that he is able to do this. And the people laughed him 
To scorn is really what the phrase means. Where else have you ever heard that phrase used when they laughed at him? It was on the cross when they laughed at him in the same way. Come down off the cross, they said. Isn't that the voice of the world to laugh at Jesus? He can't raise the dead. You Christians are fools. You believe that a man rose from the dead? He was just a man, a good man, maybe a prophet. But don't be foolish. Such is the voice of the world that we try as best we can with the hope that has been placed in us to stand strong against. And Jesus fans that flame. And so he takes this group, this inner circle, the parents, and he goes into where this little girl lies. And he reaches down to take her by the hand like you would any child that you're waking up in the morning. And then he says these incredible words to her that Mark has preserved for us so that we might hear the very words that Jesus spoke in that room. Talitha kum, I say to you, little girl, arise. And she got up. And they gave her something to eat. And the people were astonished, astonished at that sign and that wonder. Wouldn't we all? love a pediatrician who could heal any disease instantly if we brought our child? Wouldn't we love that in any situation in our lives we could instantly say, God, I want this fixed. Make it right. Give me a sign, a miracle, a wonder. Make everything perfect again. But I have to say to you, in Palestine in that day, there were many other children who died when Jesus' ministry was on earth, who weren't resurrected. There were blind and lame and deaf and those who needed healing that didn't see Jesus and didn't have a chance to be healed and had to cling simply to the role of faith in their lives, hoping that God would bring deliverance. We would love to be able to have a miracle when we want one. But that would be our controlling God to say to God, I want this now, fix my problem. And miracles are not us controlling God. Miracles are a picture of God breaking into our world. A picture of seeing who God is. A picture for us of seeing who Jesus truly was. The eternal Son of God wrapped in human flesh. That's what the people saw. A man, just a man. When we started our series, remember the Pharisees. How can he forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. This is just a man. When we went on with the demons where Jesus wouldn't let them speak, they saw who he was, the eternal Son of God, wondered why he was wrapped in human flesh, but Jesus wouldn't allow them to talk about it. And today, words again, don't bother the teacher. Jesus can't do anything. Jesus came that we might know that he can do anything. He said to the people who wanted signs and wonders in that day, an evil and an adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but the only sign that will be given them is the sign of Jonah. The sign that we cling to as Christians. The sign of hope. The sign that we teach to our children in our school. That when the voices of the world try to snuff out the flame of faith in their lives, this sign gives hope and life and security. It's the sign that we cling to when we stand at the grave of a loved one and we see the reality of a dead body and yet we know the hope 
and the strength of the resurrection we have been promised. We don't believe in just dreams and wonders and things out there. We believe in the sign and the audacious promise that the resurrection will take place someday in our lives. It is the sign of the cross and the open tomb. This is the sign and the wonder that we cling to as Christians. The sign and wonder that we have hope when our worlds are out of control. When we have tried to live life and everything seems well and yet maybe that diagnosis came or our child is sick and we can't make them well or a job has been lost and we don't know how we're going to pay the next bill or whatever wonder comes into our lives to stir us up and to make us doubt and to try and crush the flame of faith in our lives. The sign of the cross of Jesus Christ is what we cling to. Truly, this was the sign and the wonder by which the world would be redeemed, the sign that we have hope in every day that we live. We celebrate that sign in our lives. We celebrate it in our church. It is the sign that is foolishness to the world outside that laughs at what Jesus can do and we know that this sign is where our sins have been taken away. Our lives have been changed forever. We have passed from life, from death into life, and we have the promise of resurrection. The sign and wonder of Jesus Christ is the sign that we cling to every day that we live, the sign and the hope that we proclaim to the world. Jesus is victorious. Jesus won over death and hell and sin, and Jesus Christ is the one who has redeemed us. May we hold to that sign. May our great pediatrician, Jesus Christ, who brought children around him wherever he went, who told his disciples to let them come, that they might, with eyes of faith, that simple faith of a child, grow in that faith, be encouraged in that faith, as we do here, and be strengthened in that faith, and see always the sign of Jesus by which we are saved. Amen.